Hello, I'm Randy Jones of Pixis Media. I'm here in Williams Lake, British Columbia at the 2018 Woodlot Conference and AGM. The theme of the conference is From Adversity Comes Inspiration, which highlights what happened in the Caribou and around Williams Lake during the 2017 wildfires and how to move forward when it is all over. 2018 grew into another extreme wildfire year, contributing to the conference's agenda. The following is a series of three interviews. My first two are with Marvin Strimbold and John Sinan, Woodlot licensees who were directly involved in the Burns Lake wildfires this year. My third interview is with Ian Lanky, president of the Caribou Woodlot Association, about what happened following wildfires. Uh, just remind me of your Woodlot licenses again. Woodlot license 198. 198, okay. Uh, okay, I'll try and keep this short and sweet. Um, Mark, you were in this last past year involved in the, uh, the fires that went through up your area, the Burns Lake area. Yeah, so on our uh, Woodlot, we actually use the uh, I have some private land as well as the woodlot, and uh, so in order to, uh, we're fortunate enough to have some equipment on site sometimes, and we're in the logging industry a bit. So on that particular, I got a call in the afternoon uh, of a fire, and it was within uh, two kilometers basically of where my woodlot and it had grown from basically zero hectares to 200 hectares in six hours, and uh, we actually. Ended up uh, bringing our low bed with uh, some pieces of equipment. And by midnight that night, we actually had uh, four pieces of equipment on site. Began putting in some fire guards. Um, worked with uh, the wildfire crew that's come on site that evening. So we kind of had a bit of a game plan what we we're going to do, where we we're going to put the guards. And I stayed out there through the night because of uh, yeah, operational to make sure everybody's safe from getting out of there. And then by morning, again, we met with the wildfire crew and uh, we flew around the area to look at alternatives and where the sites were. And because it's close enough by, we had uh, and, uh, some of our crew and operators have uh, iPads and uh, Avenza maps all on it. So we had the map program where the different road systems were. and. Uh, yeah, we started putting in fire guards and they had water support on there in the morning. And uh, we spent the next month um, every day on the fire. Um, and another woodlot licensee, my cousin Tony Spindle, has a woodlot. And so between the two of us, we kind of took shifts to be, he would go out at three in the morning and then I'd stay out till kind of midnight to make sure if there was any activity or things going on with it. Um, and yeah, it was, I think one of the successful ones, because it was right near top of the community, they put an evacuation notice, they evacuated the, the surrounding homes and everything on it, and it was very close to the corridor, so the, the, the wildfire, it was uh, high priority for them too, because of the corridor on the highway 16. And uh, yeah, we were able to extinguish the fire after pretty well 30 days, it took uh, to completely put it out. So. It, before the rains come, they were officially able to call it out. So how did you um, manage to 
keep some form of uh, organized system how you dealt with it without basically panicking or whatever. You know. Yeah, and again, uh, about four years ago we worked with the fire crews and uh, maybe a little bit helps a little bit of my background being in the construction and logging industry and being involved with a little bit larger crews and, uh, you know, just... I use the example of that fire at the end, we, uh, you know, even in the first week, the attitude on the fire with the fire crews was we were going to put this fire out, not just chase the fire. And, uh, you know, I had a, one day there we had the water truck delivery guy and he carries, I think, about 11,000 to 10,000 gallons in his tank. But everybody was uh, putting in their part because he was out there with his uh, drinking water, stopped grabbed his Pulaski because he's seen a little spark in the outside of the fire guard and is out putting out that piece of the fire. And to the medics, uh, a day or two later, we're doing the same thing. So, you know, everybody out there from the wildfire, from our crews, um, everybody wanted to see it go out. And I think it was uh, yeah, a great success and uh, it seemed to work. And, you know, one of the other things I think that I attribute a lot to we. We have access to a great bunch of operators and have experience with the fire. And I think the coordination between ourselves and the wildfire that they, we worked, that they uh, understood that we had an idea where the equipment could go and what we could do. And then they also transmitted back to us. So good communication, good working team together. So it was successful. How was the uh, aftermath, the feedback from the community? Anybody? Uh, you know. Yeah, very positive. I mean, uh, the people in the top of the area were, were still getting comments on the street. People come up to me when we're at the grocery store or something and thank you for putting out the fire. So, yeah, they were more than, yeah, right down to the little store downtown. It was Grizzly Jim's. He has a store and a, a, a restaurant right there. And the fire crews were coming in there. They were giving coffee away to the crews. And, yeah. Good atmosphere at the end. I mean, they were very thankful. Good. I think that's good. <laughs> Thanks, Marvin. Yeah. I think it. Uh... So, my name is John Simon. Um, I live in Houston, BC. I'm the president of the Nadina Woodlot Association for the past six years. I'm a member of the executive for the Federation for the last five years. Um, I have Woodlot, Woodlot 126. You were one that uh, was on the inside in the past year when we had all the, the wildfires. Mm. I'm just wondering if you'd give us a, a, a bit of insight as to uh, what what inspires you to go in and start and, and work the fire as, you know, fire detail. Because it's dangerous, it's not, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of work. Well, I worked for fire control for years when I was younger on a unit crew, traveled all over the province, had lots of fun, saw lots of fire activity, but as my family grew and my equipments at home came bigger, I couldn't do that as much, traveling around. But where I live, we're right in the forest, There's can be tons of fires, and in the past, when the, uh, the province is really burning, then I'm from my viewpoint at my house, I can see fire all over the place, and it typically is low priority stuff. High priority for me, but low priority in the province scheme of things. So it's happened a couple times where I've gone back in to help always in a local level close to my home because I know re when the province is really burning we're low on resources 
all over and especially when you live in the north in some of the rural communities we're far away from urban centers and yeah we like to keep our those in we, we keep protect the values close to home and that's what i like to do so so and, um and of course 2018 we just had a horrible forest fire here mm -hmm. um so are you Maybe talk a little about, about being on the ground and in, in, in the thick of things. So in my um, district, Nadina district, uh, when I was three years old, my family farm was evacuated by a large fire. That was about 35 years ago. And that fire was just over 20,000 hectares. Historically, that's the biggest fire we've ever had in our, my lifetime, my family's lifetime. Um, in 2018, the Nadina fire, which I was on, grew to 85,000 hectares. And there was multiple other fires in the district close to that. So astronomical fire behavior things unprecedented in the scene we we started out on a when i went to the fire it was about 10,000 hectares and for three days we just we barely slept and all we did was run and pull people back till we must have moved 50 kilometers just staying ahead of the fire not doing any fire fighting just running from it we managed to regroup and then we we could start dealing with it then but yeah the fire behavior was impressive. Well, okay, well, what a typical day, like when you're fighting fires, I know it's like non-stop, but what would be the routine you go through when you're, when you're fighting? Um, for me, get there as early in the morning as I can, you know, early as possible, assess what happened um, the night before, quickly, um, hopefully equipment is starting to show up, and have a plan in place to implement that equipment, start building guards, start tackling it, because when you wake up in the morning and it's 20 degrees and windy at 4 in the morning, you know it's going to be a hard, hard day by lunchtime. So getting anything done is critical before 8, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. So that, those are very important times is that early start. Did you ever feel like, oh, this is just not going to stop? Um, yeah, <laughs> a few times. I, I was asked a few times, is this achievable? And we, we just tried. Like, it was a, a battle. Once we got... A place to anchor from a big lake where we could start building guard and working from there we lost that guard lots of times and getting there early in the mornings you could attack those escapes but yeah it was uh it was a battle until the weather changed in our favor you know, we literally fought it for days and days because you're out there doing that um you're also witnessing the the uh destruction of whatever uh whether it's the forest or or homesteads or whatever fires that big. How was your feedback from the public and then the people that you were dealing um, with? Well, the closest public to the fire was my family. Some, our homestead family in there, so they were glad I was out there. Some of my family was just waiting or baking us cookies or encouraging us as we went to work. Um, I didn't liaison with a whole lot of um, people. It was a huge fire and when you have 80,000 hectares, I was just working on a small part of it, but the people that I did work with or run into were other landowners and uh, stakeholders and just being able to communicate them that we're trying and we're dealing with this thing and we're, we're coming. But yeah, it's not safe and these are things that we're not prepared to deal with. So it's, it's hard. Now, having the experience of fighting fires and so forth, is there something you would see would you do different? I would log more. I think we can, um, burning off works, but if you have equipment sitting around, I think we can harvest more wood in front of these, in these big fire guards and these huge contingency lines. I think uh, the possibilities there, salvaging the wood is not a priority. Lots of times 
with a ministry or other people, but I, I think that the reality of there, part of it is there's value there. I hate to see trees burn for no reason, but also there's, it's very hard to put crews to mop up fires and to manage with hose and wa hoses and water. But if you can harvest big chunks of timber, then you have no standing timber to deal with and you don't have to, the danger tree worries and that kind of stuff. So by logging wider swaths, it's easier to put crews in too, later on. What would you say to somebody else who's coming in to fight fires? So you got a newbie, a rookie, whatever. What would you say to them? Keep your head up, watch for blowdown. Stay in your machine. Uh, most of the people I work with are equipment operators, and I just stress to them that stay in your machine. We don't need uh, these trees are falling down. When you're fighting the fires that are burning the roots, and the, there's winds associated in the afternoons, trees are coming down all the time. I, I'm very, really surprised and thankful that no one died this year fighting these fires because we were right in it, and those trees are coming up all the time. If you're in a machine, you're safe. They're not going. They can handle a lot of blowdown on them. But out and about, just watch out for them. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Sure. I'm. Uh, my name is Ian Murray Lanky. I'm uh, president of the Caribou Woodlot Association and also uh, woodlot licensee. I have uh, two woodlots. Uh, 1696 is located uh, near 150 Mile House and. Woodlot 504 is located near Horsefly. Um, this weekend being focusing on uh, wildfires and mitigation of wildfires and other instances that, how on uh, the past summer that, um, maybe talk a little bit about how your association dealt with, with um, what happened this past summer. Sure. Um, but in uh, 2017 was the, the big fire year for Willie, the Williams Lake area and the Caribou, and there was uh, several woodlots that were pretty heavily impacted uh, by wildfire. Uh, some that were uh, hundreds of hectares of lands that, and forests that were burned, and, and uh, we've never experienced anything like that in our area that in anyone's lifetime. That's uh, around here. So uh, following the fires uh, came the next step and that was well how do we how do we go forward and, and uh, looking at recovery of uh, the value of burnt timber and uh, the uh, trying to assist the woodlot those woodlot licensees that were impacted and, and uh, give them as much support as possible. And we have a, a, the help from the local forest district was great. They were able to uh, get harvesting permits out to licensees that, that needed them on, in a timely manner. And uh, the local mills stepped right up and uh, were moving quickly to harvest burnt timber be, while it had economic value, so uh, things have worked out reasonably well, uh, as well as could be expected for those impacted licensees. There's still salvage efforts are ongoing, even now, and uh, but there's been a lot, a lot has happened over the last year. From your experience of uh, 2017, um, were you able to kind of uh, 
assist, help, whatever uh, from that experience and, and contributed to 2018 uh, Burns Lake area. Well, we, uh, in, in the interval, we, uh, the Caribou Woodlot Association offered to host this annual general meeting of the Federation of BC Woodlot Associations here in Williams Lake. And uh, none of us anticipated that we'd have back-to-back -back bad fire seasons, as it's turned out. And uh, there's a lot of areas uh, and woodlots in other parts of the province that were pretty heavily impacted by wildfire again this year. And so it's become uh, a very uh, important issue for all woodlot licensees and, and uh, public in general. And uh, we made the focus of our our annual general meeting the uh, wildfire recovery and uh, implementation of uh, fuel mitigation uh, strategies. Was was the, this was the whole focus of, of our uh, presentations that went on here this weekend? That went pretty good too. Um, okay, I don't know, last time. If you had some kind of um, insight or some wisdom you gained from this, how would you pass it on to you? I, I think uh, it's very important to look at the activities and strategies you're employing on your own woodlot uh, as best you can to uh, anticipate potential wildfire risks if, if you have opportunity to access funding for fuel mitigation projects on your woodlot uh, there, there's there are funding opportunities out there like the forest enhancement society bc has uh, big funding opportunity available now and and government is moving to do more of this as the effects of climate change are seem to be affecting more and more of our, our forest lands. How was the public with? Did you get any feedback out there speaking with the general public of how you recovered from what had happened? Um, whenever I have talked to people who neighbor onto a place that has had fuel mitigation work done, uh, fuel reduction, type activities, there, there is uh, almost uh, unanimous support for activities like that. Because, uh, we've come to realize that there's far too much fuel loading uh, that's been left to accumulate. We've been perhaps too successful over the decades at uh, suppressing wildfire. Uh, well, at the same time, the growth of, of uh, development into the wildland urban interface has, has carried on. So people have moved more and more into, the, into the, the, the fringes and into the forest. And now we're seeing that uh, risk of wildfire is increasing. So it's putting more and more people and structures at risk. So we have to somehow, as a society, uh, manage for that risk. And it's going okay. Uh, there's lots and lots to be done, and uh, and, and it's like it's not something that just uh, you do it once and it's over. You've got to con 
be able to revisit these things at intervals and and uh, find sufficient uh, funding and and uh, and uh, political will to to carry it forward. Great. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. It was a good weekend. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, you did a great job.